Today, we will stand at a fork in the road. In one direction, we will see the path of pride, where the goal is to be first by climbing higher. In the other direction, we'll see the path of humility, where we are so unconcerned about how we measure up, we're fine even being last. And we'll hear a story designed to push us toward the path of humility, a parable that was first told by Jesus while he and the disciples were gathered at a banquet. A prominent religious leader decided to include Jesus and his friends at his meal, to give them seats around his table. He wasn't just being nice. He and his friends wanted to keep their eyes on Jesus. From their perspective, he was beginning to climb a little too high on the ladder that they stood on. They'd managed to rise above almost everyone else, and now he was becoming a threat, so they wanted to keep watch, maybe find out how to knock him down a few rungs. Well, folks are beginning to find their seats. The religious leaders are keeping their eyes on Jesus, and they don't know it, but he's paying close attention to them too when he notices a pattern in the behavior of all the guests and sees an opportunity to teach an important lesson. This is Luke 14, verse 7. When Jesus noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. Before we hear the parable, let's get our hands around some cultural facts. Everything you read in the New Testament happened in an honor-shame culture where the prospect of social dissent was dreaded while climbing up was everyone's goal. The rules around what happened while you were at the table were all about status. Where you sit at a banquet is a public advertisement for your social position. Choosing the place of honor, literally in the Greek, the first place, is a way to grab some easy points. The better your seat, the higher your status in the eyes of everyone around the table. You want to look good? Grab the seat which is as close to the host as possible. Now, the opposite is also true. If you've ever been assigned a bad seat at a fancy meal, you get it. When Michelle and I first moved to Red Bank back in 2008, we made good friends with a couple that had some status. He was a very gifted doctor and a great friend. Invitations to his 40th birthday party went out. They reserved a small but fine restaurant in town for dinner. Now, after we had accepted, but before the event, there was a real breakdown in our friendship. It was sad. But it was too late to uninvite us. That would have looked bad. But it also was too late for us to take back our RSVP. That felt rude. And now that I live an hour away and a decade has passed, I can admit I partly wanted to attend for spite, see if I could make them feel awkward by showing up anyway. At the restaurant, the waiters had arranged the tables in a long line, straight down with the birthday man right in the middle. On each plate, there were handwritten notes with our names. I greeted him, wishing him happy birthday, and then moved down the line, one name at a time, all the way to the very last plate where my name was. 
The only way I could have been further from him is if they had put me in the bathroom. Michelle was across the table, but off at the other end. Now, it was gracious of them to keep us included, and it demonstrated real humility on their part, but it did not feel good reading all those names that came first, and it was hard to eat since I'm right-handed with the wall right there. To hear Jesus' parable, you have to imagine that feeling of humiliation when you're sitting in the worst seat. And then multiply it, because back then, your seat mattered even more than it does today. Let's listen to the parable now. This is verse 8. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. Jesus paints a picture in which the climbing strategy fails in the most dramatic way imaginable. Not a birthday party, but a wedding. You've been invited along with everyone you know in town. The day comes and you arrive as early as you can. The doors open, you scan the room, and you rush over to grab the best seat, the one that's closest to the host. Everyone else makes their way in and you're feeling good because you're right there next to the head table. The food is set down, but before the meal begins, the host stands up, everyone quiets down, he clears his throat. Before we eat, and then he turns to you, what do you think you're doing sitting in that seat? And then he looks out over the banquet and he points to some guy that you went to middle school with and he says, you, why don't you come up here and sit next to me? And then, you know, there's a card table over by the coat closet where the kids are sitting at. You go sit there. You do not want that to happen to you. Jesus doesn't want that to happen to you because he likes you on one level. This is just straight-up good advice on how not to end up looking like a fool at a party. Don't aim too high, or else you'll find yourself shamed in front of everyone. Jesus wants to help us in every way he can. Partly, he's offering some good social advice here. But if we take our time, we'll see that there's something deeper going on. Listen. Social status in Jesus' day reached all the way down to the place where folks measured their value and worth as human beings. So much more about which seat you're in, but about what you mean as a person. It's what's happening inside of the guy in Jesus' story that uncovers what Jesus' real aim is. Think with me about what's going on inside his head and in his heart at the banquet. It's the same thing that Jesus sees in the people around the table he's sitting at with his friends. And it's what happens at the fork in the road that, that will push us on the path of pride where we're trying always to climb up 
to be higher so that we feel okay. The man trying to get the best seat is driven by four questions. Who's looking at me? When he walks in, that's the first thought in his mind. He scans the room and that's his question. How many people turn to look when I arrive? He's afraid that it's not enough and he thinks that he wants everyone to notice him. But when they do, it puts him in a bind because as soon as anyone looks, a second question turns up the heat. How do I compare? Climbing the ladder of status means he reduces the people at the party to quantities he can surpass. He interacts with others only to assess whether it's a greater than or less than sign between them. If they're less than, he moves on. Greater than, a third question arises. When will I get ahead? Since he has to be higher, he wants to put everyone beneath him. So as long as he's not first, he's not satisfied. But it turns out ascending only makes it worse. Let's say the ladder has 100 rungs and he starts at 33 and he's made it up to 66. You'd think twice as high would feel twice as good, but it doesn't. The people below him don't make him as happy as he thought. And the higher he gets, the more the number above matters. And so the question never stops driving him until he gets to the top, or that's what he thinks, but he's wrong. Because there's a fourth question that will remain no matter how high or low he is. What am I worth? Really, what is my value? No one below him is admiring him like he thought they would because just like him, all they care about is getting ahead of whoever's above. The question of his value remains open as long as he is on this path. If you pay attention to yourself, like Jesus pays attention to you, then you'll notice that in every social environment you travel in, there is a distinctive way to evaluate status which everyone has accepted and which everyone is oppressed by. It changes at different seasons in life, at work, at home, with your friends and in school, but it's always there and it's always strong. In junior high, the one I went to, for boys, it was a matter of physical strength, appearance, and wealth. If you played soccer or football, you were set. But if you were a 75-pound skate rat like me, no points. Appearance was measured by haircut, sneakers, and clothing brands. I did okay with the haircut when I lost the mullet and shaved the sides and back and let that, that swoop like Tony Hawk grow out over my forehead, but the sneakers and clothing were all wrong. As far as wealth, that was basically judged by the car your parents dropped you off with. Ours was a big blue Buick station wagon, last place in the car category. So I was a pretty insecure kid. And wherever you are, the moment you start to compete for first place, according to the accepted social conventions for status, the moment you start walking on the road of pride, you'll be driven by the same four questions. Who's looking at me? How do I compare? 
when will I get ahead? What am I worth? And what Jesus wants is to save you from those questions because they make you miserable. And most importantly, really, they keep you from enjoying the banquet, the one that we have all been invited to. And thankfully, we're free to make a different choice. Let's look at the second half of the parable, verse 10. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. If you've heard a decent number of my sermons, then you know a lot of times the stories I tell at the start come back about two-thirds of the way through with a happy ending. So you may be thinking, I bet at that birthday party, his friend came and told him in front of everyone he was sorry for the fight and brought him to sit right beside him for the meal. Nope. I sat sulking at the far seat the whole time, feeling bad for myself. And the truth is, I probably missed the lessons that God wanted me to learn there. Maybe the guy beside me could have become a friend. I wouldn't know. Maybe the woman across from me would have taught me something if I'd gotten to know her. Definitely, I would have enjoyed myself at the meal. If only I'd let go of wanting to have a better seat and accepted the one that I'd been given. There's no question about that. The goal of the humility that Jesus pushes us towards is not to find a roundabout way back to the first seat. I know that's what happens in Jesus' parable, but again, the real point is buried a bit. What Jesus wants for us and for everyone around that table is to choose the path of humility, not to feel humiliated, but to make a decision to do what humility does. That's why he doesn't say, stop wanting to sit in the best seat. He says, go and sit in the lowest place. Whatever you want, behave in the way of humility. And, and Jesus says this because he cares about us and he wants us to have what's best. And listen now, this does not mean think less of yourself than you should. It means think about yourself less than you do. Because chances are you're thinking about yourself too much. Trust me, I am an expert at it. Put better things in your mind instead. That's what Jesus is saying. Give up on always wanting to advance compared to everyone else. Stop fretting about whether people are looking at you or not. Who cares? And forget about how you measure up next to other people. You want to advance so people will be thinking about you, but that's crazy. They're all too busy thinking about themselves as it is. It's not worth it. Pay attention instead to the most important thing in this story, which is that we're all invited to the banquet. So give up on the petty ways you try to outdo the people around you and just enjoy 
the party. That's a message that Jesus wants you to receive from him. There's plenty of room and there is a seat there for you. And Jesus wants you to accept it, for you to just sit down, pull up the chair and have fun. Now to drive home his point, he adds a saying that was kind of a favorite of his. This is verse 11. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. No one who exalts himself, choosing the upward path of pride, will ever be able to lift his own eyes up to see God because you can't look up to see Jesus while you are also looking down on everybody else and trying to get them to admire and look up to you. On the other road, the person who is humble will be lifted up by God in the end because he's already on the same road as Jesus, who chose humility, setting the example for us. Listen to these words of guidance reflecting on Jesus' choice of the road of humility. This is from Paul's letter to the Philippian church. Chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility regard others As better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You can choose pride or humility. The choice is yours. But only the one who chooses humility will take the open seat at the final wedding feast, the one which is hosted by the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, the one who told this story so that we would find the right path. Before we sing one song more, let's pray. God, we thank you for this story which Jesus told. We thank you for his wit and for his care and concern for the people he gathered around him. We ask that you would open our own eyes to the many foolish and petty ways we struggle to climb higher, only hurting ourselves. And instead, remind us that the pathway 
that you walk on, the one that will look like it goes down, is actually the one that we've been invited to come on with the Lord who is higher than anyone else, so that in humility we will find true life and be set free from the misery of always trying to outdo the people around us. Give us good humor with ourselves and our own failures, and help us take steps forward on the right road, deciding for humility. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for this time we've had to learn together. Amen.